In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin. He's Jesse Temple. Well, we got a lot of time in front of the Badgers this week, Jesse. Got to see four practices, including three since the last time we talked. That included a fully padded practice on Saturday morning uh, that was dominated by the defense. Uh, we'll start uh, just big picture, though. I know you put your article up on The Athletic, the 10 things that you learned, and the number one thing that you learned, or at least the number one thing that you led with, was Graham Mertz and kind of the up-and-down nature of his week so far and his camp in general, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I think that – so there was a 10-series scrimmage that consisted of the first, second uh, teams primarily, and then the last series was the third team. And, you know, I don't necessarily know if a scrimmage in that setting is the best indicator of how a quarterback is performing, especially because the offensive line has been banged up, which we'll get to, and Mertz was under constant pressure. But it was sort of a microcosm, I feel like, of what the, the week has been like for Graham. And I say that because, I mean, he's been steady, but I feel as though, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there haven't been a ton of wow moments in team drills. Or if we're discussing that we haven't seen something and there will be one great throw that kind of makes you go, oh, oh yeah. Um, but it doesn't seem like at this stage, it's it's there have been enough that have been strung together, if that makes sense. Um, still, right at, at this point, I mean, he's taken all the first team reps. You know, Chase Wolf got in for a handful of snaps with the first team in, in one portion of practice earlier in the week. Um, but I, I think you know maybe you'd want to see more out of Graham at this point. And I, but it's also difficult because I, I, you know, there are caveats to this, right? Like Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor, Jake Ferguson, the guys he's going to be thrown to the most. It's not like they're in every snap getting all those live reps because they don't have anything to prove. And Graham doesn't have his starting tackles, <laughs> which doesn't help either. Uh, but I, I think that that is something that I've certainly noticed in the first week. Is that a concern for you that you haven't seen those big plays yet? Again, it's only four practices for us. We haven't seen them all. There could have been a lot of really good plays from the offense in general, but it's really just been about the defense to this point. Yeah, it has. I, the defense has been been really good, and I don't I don't know that it's a, a massive concern at this point. I don't want to overreact to a handful of practices three-plus weeks out before the season opener when the, the full unit hasn't been working together. I just think that the expectations have always been so high for Graham and he set the bar so high with what he did in the opener against Illinois that you just sort of thought he would look completely dominant and that nobody would be even close. I think Chase Wolf has had his moments and we talked about that earlier, written about that earlier, like there was a red zone drill and they each got six passes and he threw four touchdowns. You know, it's practice, it's skeleton, but I guess what I'm saying is it doesn't look like Graham is blowing everybody out of the water at this stage. Again, doesn't mean he's not the starter. Doesn't mean he's not going to do great things this season with everybody around him, but that's just what I've seen so far in four practices. How much do we put on the fact that they do bring everybody back on defense, that they are expected to be one of the better defenses in the big 10, if not the country, like it's, it's kind of hard to, to judge, but you know, they're just, you're right. There haven't been those wild throws to this point. I think that's got to be a factor. And and I, I wrote about the scrimmage that we saw on Saturday and, and key starters were making huge defensive plays. Mertz was under pressure every drive. Um, Scott Nelson came in untouched on a safety blitz. The very next play, Nick Big beats Lynn Brown for a sack. 
The next drive on third down, Leo Chanel sacks Mertz uh, for a big loss when Mertz is rolling to his right, trying to make something happen. Yeah, I, I do think it's got to be a big factor because I, I, I think this is going to be one of the top defenses in the country. I think the defensive line, which was the question, looks pretty solid in that two deep, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get into as well. And I also want to say that during certain individual moments, I mean, Graham looks like Graham. He and again, this is hard to say because it's like a one-on-one setting and it's not 11 on 11, but he dropped in a 50 yard touchdown to Kendrick Pryor down the, down the right sideline. It was a one-on-one drill. So the DBs were going against receivers and it was just perfect. And Graham came over to Kendrick and I could hear him even from, you know, the, the third level of the, the parking deck, just talking about that they took the top off the defense. And I mean, so he's, it's all there, but there's got to be there. You, you do have to factor in the defense that they're playing and the weapons he's got on offense at this stage in practice. Yeah. And, and you know, I think this goes hand in hand though, with his performance also probably sh- is impacted by the lack of uh, healthy bodies, especially at tackle right now for, for them on offense. And I know like they're not hitting the quarterback, right. But they are, they are stopping the plays when it gets to that point. Right. I mean, that, so that was the first time on Saturday when they were in full pads. It's the first time we got to see a, a straight up move the ball drill where they start the ball to two and they go all the way down the field. And there was real tackling, not of the quarterback, but when, when the play got to the point where someone was about to level him, they, they just stopped the play and it was going to be a sack. And I think that's a big part of this as well, because we haven't seen um, Tyler Beach to this point, the, the projected left tackle. He's been out with a leg injury now. At this point, it seems like he's in that uh, period where they, what do they call it, the acclimatization, acclimatization period. Uh, Accl- acclimation. You, yeah, acclimation. Exactly. Easy for me to say. Um, that takes seven days. So I, he's not in the brace anymore. So I, it looks like he'll be back. But then Logan Bruss was out starting, starting right tackle. He was out with a left leg injury. Um, they had two more big injuries at practice on Saturday. Don't know the severity of it. Can't say it looked great, but that's just my vantage point. Tanner Bordellini. Um, who would they move to tackle? Well, well, he got hurt and and Logan Brown had a head injury. Bordellini had a, a leg injury. So now you're talking about your third string tackles are in there basically at, at by the end of practice. And so, yeah, I think that's clearly substantial. I, again, don't know the severity at this point, but those are four guys um, that Joe Rudolph had in his top nine coming into fall camp. Yeah. And, and again, Tyler Beach, we, we saw him in a walking boot on like the first day we got to see practice or the first full day we got to see, or no, like the first day we got to see practice. And then it went to a sleeve and then it went to nothing. And then he was back in, in a helmet on Saturday and, and Logan Bruss didn't have anything on his leg. So I don't think these are serious injuries, but no. And, and I, I also think that how valuable now was the ability to have all those five guys together for, for spring. But uh, there, there are still jo- like we we thought the only competition was at left guard, right? We thought going into camp it was going to be uh, either Josh Nelson or Cormac Sampson, and I think that that's still obviously a battle. But one of the things that caught my eye early in practice on Saturday was the fact that Joe Tipman was running with the ones, you know, yeah. and and uh, over Caden Lyles. And I know, you know, I thought Joe looked really good at has looked really good at points um, leading that second team offense. And then for him to get up into the first team offense certainly suggests that at least for now that, you know, Joe Rudolph has not settled on Caden Lyles being his center, which is not in headline news, but certainly noteworthy news. Yeah, it was definitely surprised because Tippman ran all the snaps with the first team offense at, at center and Lyles was with the second team on Saturday. And obviously Joe Tippman did enough to, 
to earn Rudolph's trust. And, and Rudolph felt like he wanted to give him a look to see where this thing is headed. And again, you and I've got an opportunity to watch four more practices in their entirety this week before things close off as Wisconsin prepares for the opener. And I think we'll have a better sense of, of what Rudolph's plan is, but Rudolph this time in fall camp, he's always shuffling guys around. And even on Friday, if you looked at the left side of the line was, was different. He had Tanner Bordellini at left tackle. He had Cormac Sampson at left guard. This was with the ones. Um, and even before Logan Brown and, and Bordellini got hurt at practice on Saturday, Rudolph was moving guys around all the time. Riley Malman got some, some early looks at, at left tackle. Um, and I thought that was noteworthy too. He was an early enrollee again, you know, don't know when everybody's healthy, whether he'll, he'll get in there, but he got a lot of reps with the ones. Saw Nolan Rucci getting some reps with the twos. Now, in the end, when the third stringers were out there, both of those guys were in the tackle spots. But this is something that Rudolph does, and I think it, it's, it shows its value when you see the injuries because going into fall camp, Rudolph said he felt like Tanner Bordellini was pushing for reps. But as we talked about, if Joe Tippman was going to be a center, then Bordellini as a third string center wasn't going to get any reps. So what did Rudolph do? He moved him to the tackle spots. And this, when somebody gets hurt that you guys prepared and they can come in and play. And so I think Wisconsin's in a good spot, but you don't certainly don't like to see the injuries that, uh, that accumulated on Saturday. No, I, I don't think, you know, Riley Malman may turn out to be an all American, but I, uh, you know, if everyone's healthy, he's not playing this year, right? So yeah, I, I wouldn't think so. But just I thought it was interesting that we well, didn't have anybody else, right? He was with the. Well, uh, I mean, this was before. Well, I I don't know. I mean, Borda, this was before Bordellini was hurt, and like you know, just that he was getting a look. I thought it was interesting. No, I don't expect him to play this year. Um, but this is just what Rudolph does. Yeah, no, he does. There's, there's no doubt about it. He cross trains guys all over the place uh, so that when guys go down, you can still get the best five on the field. That's his, that's his whole mantra. That's all offensive line coaches mantra, get the best five on the field. And Wisconsin has done that by moving guys around. We saw it with Logan Bruss in the past, moving down to guard and now back out at tackle. And Jack Nelson was a tackle and now he's a guard. Like it's, you know, move guys around multiple positions. You can uh, foot, uh, you can, you can fill holes. Uh, with whoever ends up being available. So, yeah, but I, I think the injuries along the offensive line are certainly up there with, you know, the inconsistency perhaps of the passing game to this point. You know, the other aspect that we wanted to watch coming in was the running back battle. And it seems, at least through the practice that we've seen, there's a clear top two there with Jalen Berger and Ches Malusi. And then behind them, obviously, you would probably say Isaac Arendo, right? And then perhaps Braylon Allen or Brady Shipper, but it's it's clear that the top two guys are probably going to get the most opportunities. Yes, Jalen and Chez have been running all the reps with the first team group, and usually Jalen will get the first couple snaps, and then Chez will come in. And so I think it's pretty clear that they've established a top two. I I do think that Garendo is third right now. Generally, he gets the first reps with the second team offense. Brady Shipper's gotten some reps. And and in the last few practices, we have seen more of Braylon Allen out there at running back. I know during uh, the red zone period of, to close practice a few days ago, he took four snaps in a row, which was the first time that we'd seen him for that many reps continuously. And he's gotten some carries, got, got a handful with the second teamers when Chase Wolf was in there during the one of, one of the scrimmage series, got three carries on a series. Um, had a chance to talk to running backs coach Gary Brown 
after practice Saturday and asked him about Braylon. And I asked if, does he see those wow moments? Because he put cornerback Amon Williams on the ground with a stiff arm earlier in the week and everybody was hooting and hollering. Um, There are just those, those special qualities that he has, but he hasn't played a bunch of running back. And, And Brown talked about that. Yeah, we've seen things so far, but there are also things that people don't notice like the freshman stuff that he's doing. And he commented on, the very last play that Braylon was in and that he had made a mistake. And he said, I'm not down on him. That's expected for a freshman, but we've got to clear that up. And and Brown was also asked if it was sometimes easy to forget that Braylon's just 17 years old. And he said that, yeah, it was, but at the same time, he's the one who chose to be here. So I can't treat him like a 17 year old. I've got to treat him like a power running back and he's going to keep pushing him. But yeah, to me, even though, even though we, know who the top two starters are. I mean, the, the most intriguing guy in the room to me is Braylon Allen, just because of, of the skill set that he can provide. And, and he does seem to be, I don't know if creeping his way up, but he's in the top five, which is something because he came in with three other true freshmen in his class. Yeah. And those guys haven't seen time at all, right? Like, like in terms no. of, yeah, outside of the developmental periods, um, it's, it's clear even throw Julius Davis in there. He's, he's behind him as well. Right. So he's, I really like what Braylon has. I was completely wrong about Braylon Allen in terms of his athletic ability. I I thought he would come in kind of looking like Alec Ingold when he was a freshman, he is so much more athletic than Alec Ingold and so much quicker and faster than he is. And, you know, probably about the same weight, but yeah, that, that run that he put Amon Williams down on the ground, it wasn't just that it was the getting the whole spinning away and then taking off and, and not just, you know, running out of bounds, but putting his putting his hand right on Almolian's face and throwing him down to the ground. It was it, at, in the moment it felt Derrick Henry ish. When I went back and looked at it, it wasn't as much. <laughs> it wasn't as good as that. But it was but it was darn impressive for a guy that again doesn't have a ton a ton of you know time as a running back. And you know the, 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 my favorite part of camp to this point has been the back and forth. Uh, and we'll talk about Amon Williams. Maybe even now, this, maybe this is just a good time to mention it. Uh, he's been the most, one of the most impressive defensive backs, had a great practice on, Friday, uh, on Wednesday when that stiff arm happened. So throughout practice, every time he makes a play, he tells people about it. He tells the offense about it. It is awesome. He is just gets, he is loud. He gets in, nah, I don't want to say gets in faces, but he enjoys his time on the field. I talked with him afterwards and just uh, after that, uh, practice on Friday. And he was just, that's who I am. That's what I, that's just the way I play. I bring juice and, you know, I kind of think that it rubs off on other guys, but either way, he made so many plays that day and was talking so much trash. And as soon as that happened, you mentioned the offense howling with laughter. They were howling with laughter because it was because it was an amazing play, but also because it was Amon Williams, because he had been talking so much trash the entire practice. And uh, it, you know, it was, it was great. And he said, you know, that's that's karma. You get that's football karma. That thing happens. But then later in the practice, he picked off a pass in the back of the end zone, brought it out and walked right up to Elvis Witted, the wide receivers coach who was standing among the other wide receivers. And he just handed them the ball. It was hilarious and awesome at the same time. Yeah, it was great. And that, I, I wrote about him, too. You know, I, there's always the in-state walk on that. If you're a fan, you want to follow. I, I can't say he's going to be a contributor in the cornerback this season, but maybe down the road because he just keeps making plays. And Jim Leonard was asked about him after practice Saturday and talked about what high energy he has, how much he loves football. And he's he's always talking. He's always playing fast. He said, for whatever reason, the ball finds him. He's physical and he shows up in the run game. And so 
Leonard likes what he's doing. And even though Leonard acknowledged that, that there's a veteran group in front of him, Leonard said, I think he's pushing some guys, which is a lot of fun. Now, having said that, I think there's six cornerbacks at this point that are ahead of him that, that we'll see a lot on the field, which is Caesar Williams and Fayon Hicks, clearly Alexander Smith and, and Dean Ingram, and then Dante Burton and Samar Melvin and Deron Harrell. I don't know. He's been sidelined by a right leg injury. I, I don't know where things stand with him, but it's a deep, it's a deep cornerback room and, and Amon Williams. Yeah. He's brought the juice. And that was one of my favorite uh, moments of, of camp so far too, when he, uh, <laughs> when he brought the football out to wit it and, and handed it to him after the pick, he likes to dish it out and, and he can take it too. No doubt. And in, in- He's the rare walk-on, I would say, because usually the walk in-state walk-ons, they're not coming from Milwaukee. You know what I mean? Like there's there are very few walk-ons coming from Milwaukee. There's very few players coming from uh, the city of Milwaukee that that are here. I mean, the, I think the last walk-on to make an impact from the city was Dario Gumbawale. And uh, you know, Dari, I believe, went to Marquette, right? I would have to look it up. I, I think he went to Marquette. You know, that's not where uh, Amon Williams comes from. He comes from, he went to Milwaukee Riverside. Uh, there's very few guys that come out of there. I believe Eric Murray, uh, a cornerback from Minnesota, came out of there. And he's, he was a guy that Amon looked up to. But, you know, the, the, it doesn't happen very much. And, uh, you know, for him, so I think he's rare. We, we all know about the walk-on program, but he's a little bit of a rarity uh, a walk-on from the Milwaukee area that you know had scholarship offers to go, uh, a few scholarship offers to go other places, could have done so in baseball as well, but he wanted to chase his dream and come here instead. And you know he made some flashes in spring as well. He had at least one interception in the spring, and you kind of just you kind of just shrug it off in the spring. But when you're making plays in fall camp, I think it's a little bit different. Yeah, it's it's certainly been fun to watch. And you're right about Dare. I looked it up. <laughs> Went to Marquette. <laughs> um, yeah, when he gets, I mean, when he gets this opportunity, you definitely know he's out there on the field. So that that's that's been fun to watch for sure. So uh, going back to the the offensive side of the ball, I, I think the we we know about Danny Davis, you know about Kendrick Pryor, but I think we kind of saw flashes of what makes them special this week, right? Yeah. The it must have been Friday. They had just back to back ridiculous catches. One KP got the first one. It was right on the sideline. Went up. Wrestled away from DB. And here's the thing like the defensive coverage was really, really good on both of them. Like they were locked on them. And yet they, KP was able to come down with it. And then the next one, almost the exact same spot on the field, uh, Davis went up with one hand and brought it in and promptly uh, did the spin right in front of the DB. And that drew a flag from the officials. But uh, they showed flashes this week, I think, of why everyone was so excited to get them back. Yeah, I actually, I have a story on those two guys running this week um, and, and highlighted that sequence as well, because that's what the offense can be. You've got, you've got two playmakers with a lot of experience. And then later in practice, Kendrick caught a one-handed pass in the end zone. Um, I know the Wisconsin football Twitter account shared that video. So they're just, they're dynamic. And I mean, the, I thought these were some interesting stats that highlight their value to the offense. And I, I mean, last year was totally disjointed and these stats are, are skewed because Graham did what he did against Illinois. But if you, when both those guys were on the field, which included the Michigan game for a little bit, Graham's completion percentage was 77% and he threw, you know, 9.85 yards per attempt. And when one of them was field last season, he completed about 61% of his passes and still had about 6.7 yards per attempt. 
When neither of those guys were on the field, he completed 58% of his passes and 5.7 yards per attempt, and his pass efficiency rating dipped with each of those stats. Again, I understand that the numbers are skewed because both of them played in the Illinois game, but it was just obvious watching last season when those two guys weren't on the field how much of a struggle it was. And I asked Graham at media day, this was the day before fall camp started, about whether he felt like they could be they could change what he could do through the air. And he just, he like couldn't hold back laughter. He said, I guarantee they will. I don't think I guarantee it's going to be fun playing with them. I don't know what their ceiling is. Those two guys believe they can form one of the best tandems at wide receiver that Wisconsin has ever had. The proof will be in the pudding, but they've certainly put in the work. We saw Kendrick run the, the 4.3740 yard dash and, and Danny looks physical. And as long as he's healthy, he can be a difference maker. So We'll see what they can do, but they've got high hopes, and so does Graham. I'm wondering what the top receiving duos are in Wisconsin history. Yeah. Have you, ever, have you gone back and looked at all that at all? I, 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 as soon as you said that, I started thinking in my head, and you know, I'd go back maybe even uh, – we, we've talked about groups, right? Because a few years ago when it was Quintez and Kendrick and Danny and A.J. Taylor, it was kind of – that's the best group they've ever had. And, you know, and you probably go back to 2003 with Lee Evans and Brandon Williams and, and – um, Jonathan Orr and that type of group. I mean, the 2011 group with was Jared Aberderis and Nick Toon. Yep. I mean, they had a guy named Russ Wilson throwing to him, but the, statistically, that was pretty damn good. <laughs> you, you you look in 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 single season receptions that in in the 2011 season. So Nick Toon had 64 catches. That's tied for fifth in program history. And Aberderis had 55, which is tied for ninth. So you had two guys that season that finished in the top 10 in school history for receptions. And I, I, would, I would put them up there, and maybe they're at the top just purely based on statistics. No doubt. And, and it's not like they didn't produce, you know, 2010, they were solid as well, right? You know, obviously, Aberderis is a freshman, and he was playing behind David Gilreath and, and Isaac Anderson. But he also got some time. But Nick Toon was pretty productive with Scott Tolzien as well. I mean, I mean, you think about the two quarterbacks that, uh, that Toon got to play with a majority of his career. It was Scott Tolzien and Russell Wilson. That's not too bad. Obviously they haven't had that, that type of player at quarterback. And if Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor end up being in that same vein, the offense is going to be insane. You know what I mean? Like if they, if they are able to even come close to what they did, you know, offensively in, in, um, in 2011, with where I should say put up the stats anywhere close to what those two guys did. This offense is going to be uh, not, maybe not on that level, but pretty close to it. And I would say, I don't think it's un, uh, unattainable for them to get somewhere near those numbers. It's not like we're talking about 85 catches or something. Yeah. There are some other guys that Graham's going to be able to throw to, especially with the, what Shimray DK has done and, and Jake Ferguson, but 60 catches, one guy has 60, one guy has 50. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Danny has been steady. I think he had 40 catches one season. Kendrick hasn't been a, a top option in a lot of seasons. So the most he's had, I think, is 23 catches in a season. But I do think it is possible. It just depends on whether they can stay healthy and, and whether Graham can get it rolling. I, I listed off the first-team offense you know, after that first practice, and I had someone t uh, tweet at me saying that, by the middle of the Big Ten season, Chimray will be getting more targets than than Kendrick. Do you agree with that? It's it's possible because Chinray 
he's got those moments where he just looks completely dominant. And there was one practice I remember in the spring where nobody on the defense could touch him. Um, I don't know the answer to that, but but it's certainly a possibility. And Kendrick can do a lot of different things well. We know what he's done on jet sweeps. I think he's a really good blocker for a receiver. And a pro football focus at him as he's the fifth best blocker on the team, just based on numbers. And sure, he didn't get as many snaps as some other guys, but it's it's possible. I guess that's the best answer that I can have because I think Chim Ray's got the potential to be really special. Everybody said. Everyone's raved about him since he first got here, about how smart he is, about his playmaking ability, about the way he asks questions. So I can see it. Behind those top three goes, I I don't necessarily think we've seen a a ton. Now, A.J. Abbott felt like he had a good practice on Friday. Um, Jack Dunn is still there and, and, uh, and, you know, going to get the ball's hand get the ball in his hands a couple of times you would think and, and we don't even know how many reps behind that that there are even are be, behind those uh the, those top three but it feels like Devin Chandler hasn't really stood out at any point so we, we saw him in the spring a ton and maybe that was because Danny and Kendrick weren't practicing but uh, I should say practicing a lot but you know it really it really has just been those top three and then you know a few splash plays from from Abbott or yeah and, and done I think it's going to wind up being Jack Dunn. I just do. He's gotten a lot of reps. He put he put up some good numbers last season without some of those other top guys. And I don't think there's very many opportunities for a fifth or sixth receiver at Wisconsin, just the way things go. But A.J. Abbott can work himself there, and I agree with you. I haven't seen a lot of Devin Chandler as a wide receiver. I think he's going to be the team's kick returner. To me, he's clearly the favorite, especially considering that Stephon Bracey's been out with an injury and what Devin did last year. I'm in, I'm still intrigued by the two freshmen. It's not like I think they're going to leapfrog guys and, and play many snaps at receiver this season. But Skyler Bell and Marcus Allen have had their moments in practice. I mean, Skyler's he's got really good athleticism and an ability to catch some some tough catches in in, in traffic. And Marcus, I think he if to me it felt like he was slower to come along. But I've seen some big plays from him. Again, not a ton of reps, and certainly not going to get him above the top three. But Got to give Alvis Witted credit for the guys he brought in in that class because I think they're going to have an impact down the road. Oh, for sure. For sure. Marcus, yeah. Yeah. Marcus and Skylar are going to play a ton and they're going to be really good receivers here. I just don't know if it's going to be uh, an impact this year. Maybe it's later in the season. You know what I mean? Like, that's the great thing about that four games uh, that guys can play without burning their freshman year. You know, or, you know, you can play up to four games without burning your red shirt. And I, maybe if they're not ready on September 4th, okay, but maybe they're ready by October or uh, late October, or early November. And maybe you only play them four games, or even if, if, you know, if they're good enough, you play even more. I go back to Rashad wild goose when he was a freshman, wasn't necessarily ready to go right away. I remember <laughs> at one point, like in, in one of the early games, one of the non-conference games, I think a corner got hurt and Rashad ran out there. And, and Leonard yelled at him to get him back to cut, you know, get your ass back here. And um, just to, you know, he doesn't want to burn that, that single game. And, and he ended up playing a bunch. He ended up playing and, and playing a bunch that year. But um, I, that four games kind of gives you some flexibility. Absolutely. And, and if there are injuries, which we certainly have seen at wide receiver, they could get more opportunities. I remember that. I think it was a, another corner's helmet came off. So it was a situation where somebody just needed to go on the field for one play. And Leonard was like, I mean, one play, we're going to burn it on one play. And he held him back. And ultimately wild goose played a ton that season, but that that's what makes the, 
the freshman year so much more interesting now with the, the four games to play with. And every year there are freshmen that, that are going to wind up contributing for Wisconsin. And I think it's still up in the air as to which guys they're going to be. I will say, you know, going back to Braylon Allen, he has been on some of the first team special teams units. So he is going to play. Like he's going to, he will be on the field September 4th. I don't know if it's going to be any time at running back, but I, unless he gets hurt, he's going to be on the field, at least on special teams. And if you're going to play him on special teams, I figure you're going to get him some opportunities at running back too. For a very brief moment during a special teams drill, they did sort of a young guys kick return session. The, the six main guys who have been returning kicks, who I mentioned before, they were on the other side of their hash mark. But Braylon was one of the three guys that they had returning kicks, which I thought was interesting. It was he, it was, it was Preston Zachman. It was Brady Shipper. Um, don't know if he's going to necessarily do that, but but we have seen him on the, on the special teams group, and I definitely think he's going to he's going to be on the field this year. It's just a matter of in what capacity. Maybe we saw that differently. I saw that as being short kickoffs, and, and the guy in front who was blocking went back. Yes. Yeah, you could be right. Because <laughs> I, I I don't think Brady Shipper or Preston Zachman are going to be back returning kicks. Uh, and I don't think Braylon Allen will be either. I, I think, I think that's what, it, I don't know. Maybe, we'll see. No, you we'll could see. be right. You could we'll be right. See. They were going I, backward to, to field it, but yeah. Yeah. I, I, it felt cause he was, he was like on the 10 yard line, like in it and then like drifting back to get it. I, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. I think he's going to play on special teams. However, that's going to look, but yeah, no, for, for the freshman, for sure. Life is back on, sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. BetUS for 125% bonuses with the promo code THEZONE125. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. The other guy that I, I think stood out and I, I talked to him after practice on uh, on Friday was was Spencer Lytle because oh, he yeah. is a he is a guy that you know there was a lot of expectations coming in he came in early and injuries kind of uh, have uh, hurt his development to this point he he you know he said as much you know he's obviously disappointing that he can't be on the field more what did he end up playing I think you I think he wrote like what twenty nine snaps last year on defense. Yep, that's what he got. Yeah, so it it hasn't been, you know, just yet. But I think he's I think he's uh, coming around. I I do believe that he is going to make an impact at at some point this year. Now, obviously, Noah Burks coming back kind of doesn't necessarily help him, right? Because we know Noah Burks is going to play. We know Nick Herbig is going to play. But after that, you know, with with Aaron Witt being out for a long stretch here, CJ Getz miss missed some of it. I think Spencer has taken advantage of those reps. I agree a hundred percent. He's one of the the guys I wrote about and the, the people who stood out this week, he had himself a week, especially on Friday. So they've, they've paired him in the second team group with CJ gets now that CJ's back. And I don't know how much it's impacted again by the fact that Aaron Witt's been sidelined by a right leg injury, but Spencer has clearly taken advantage of his reps. He just looks, he looks more physical. He looks more explosive and certainly being healthy plays a key role in that, but he had multiple sacks. He had, he was in the backfield a ton with, with chase Wolf. Um, and there was a one-on-one pass protection drill on Saturday. So it's like they'll, they'll send a, a different defensive player, match him up against whatever offensive lineman they want. And they match Spencer up 
with near Bordellini, who was at one of the tackle spots. And he just, he shoved Bordellini out of the way. Like he was nothing to get to the quarterback. And it's just really impressive. And, and Jim Leonard said that he's taken a huge jump, but even if you go back to the spring, he was taking a huge jump and he just started off fall camp from day one in that position and has continued to grow. And really he said, this is the longest stretch where he's been available. So when he, when he committed, it was a big deal, even though he wasn't a, a four-star guy in the 24 seven sports composite, he was a high three-star. He had over 40 scholarship offers and he picked Wisconsin over Clemson, a kid from California who was at a powerhouse prep program out there. And it just seems like it's starting to come together. And he, he's, you look at his, his frame, he's gained seven pounds since his playing weight last season. So he's up to 230. I do think he's going to make an impact. And it just seemed like that they're, they're starting to shore up their outside linebacker group because that was one of the things that they struggled with last season. The team as a whole didn't get very many sacks. The outside linebackers only got four as a group. None of them got more than one. That includes Nick Herbig. So I think Lytle can be one of those guys. And they've, and whether this is the Wisconsin's offensive line or, or otherwise, they've spent a large amount of the team drills in the quarterback's lap. You know what I mean? Like, and I, and yes. I don't, again, I don't, I don't know how much of the, the offensive line and just the, the youth at certain places is playing a role in that. And this is not a new thing, you know, in, in a fall camp. The defense is always, uh, because they go against the offense so much, they really, they often know what's coming. And um, so that, that certainly plays a role here, but it, it just feels like him and Herbig and, you know, even further down the line, like Daryl Peterson at times have largely made life miserable on the outside for Wisconsin. I would, I would agree. And like I said, I think that uh, the, the scrimmage portion when Graham was in highlighted that he just, he couldn't even get the ball off. They were in the backfield so much. And, and so, and, and I think this also goes for the defensive line too, which maybe this is a good time to, to jump into that as well. To me, that was the biggest question mark on defense coming into the season. They've got Henningsen, Benton, potentially in the nickel, which now it looks like he's going to be, but we didn't know before practice and Isaiah Mullins and who else. And I feel like they've, we've seen a lot of good things from like Rodas Johnson and James Thompson jr. They've been regularly running with the twos on the D line. And I, I think that Wisconsin clearly likes what they have with those two guys, but they're, they've got more depth this year at both li- the linebacker positions and on the defensive line. So I think, yeah, I, I, there's, there's reason to be, uh, optimistic about what the defense can accomplish. Yeah, right. I mean, they they have been the best unit for Paul Chris even since 2013. I mean, like that's they've always had to lean on the defense for a variety of reasons. But this defense, where would you put it? Like, what what are your expectations, big picture wise, for it? Is it since 2013? I, w- I would suggest that the the 2017 defense was the best group, and then probably the 2015. Defense was was uh, obviously pretty stout as well. I mean, those first three those first three years, 2015, 2016, 2017, were all really, really good. Where do you think this one is going to fall? In terms of school history or national rank this year? National rank, but also just like in the Paul Christ era, the three four era. Where is this going to be? Is it is it does it have a chance to be the best, or does it, or is it you know maybe a little step under where it was in 2017? I know, I guess everybody has a different opinion on the best unit for yeah. me personally, it was 2017. I guess it could be, you know, you could, you could throw some other ones in there, 2019 maybe, but I, I really, that 2017 is kind of my, the, the group that I would pick. The tough thing here is if you're going purely based on statistics, 
it's a pretty tough schedule this year. I mean, they open with Penn State, and they've got that Notre Dame game. They've got Michigan. That 2017 season, like, they should have won all those games. I'm not trying to diminish what the defense accomplished. But so what I'm saying, though, is if you're trying to compare straight up statistically, it might be tougher to match that with the schedule that Wisconsin has. But I expect this to be a top 10, top 15 defense nationally in most of those major statistical categories and and be up there because they've got so many returning guys. They've returned all four starters at linebacker. They return most of their secondary. Obviously don't have Eric Burrell anymore. Shot Wild Goose is gone. But, and, and I think the defensive line should be much improved. To me, what mostly what stands out is you've got reserves. I mean, you don't have to rely necessarily on somebody to play every snap defensively. Now, Bob Bostead might still do that at inside linebacker just because it's hard to take Sanborn and Chanel off the field. But you've got more people that I think you can rely on at different positions. And that's going to matter, especially when you see injuries, which always happen. What's the strongest unit on that defense? Is it between the three levels or? I guess I'll even break it down by position. Corner, safety, inside linebacker, outside linebacker, defensive line. That's a good question and a hard one to answer because I think it depends on what your definition of that is because like there are a ton of cornerbacks that have played, but does that mean they're the best? I don't know. I mean, the combination of Chanel and Sanborn are about as good as it gets for an inside linebacker tandem, I think in the big 10, but you don't have, I think there's a drop off after that. I mean, right now the two are Mike Mascalunas and I think it's worth mentioning Jordan Turner. It appears has emerged as the other guy in the two deep. Like he's been ahead of Muma John Meta at this point, but he hasn't played like Mascalunas was the backup last season at both positions. I think he got 41 total snaps. So I know I'm talking a lot, but I think it's a really hard question to answer because it's, do you say, well, they've got the two best at the position, but not a lot after, or there's six guys that can play. Do you, what, what do you think is the strongest position group at this point? For me, it's between inside linebacker, outside linebacker and corner. Mm-hmm. The depth at outside linebacker, even if it's inexperienced depth, I think has a chance to be special. The top two at inside linebacker are as good as anything, you know, Wisconsin is going to be able to put on the field. I think in, in these last few years, though, I mean, obviously when, when they had Chris Orr and, and uh, Jack Sitchie and TJ Edwards and Ryan Connolly, I mean, that was, those are four NFL guys, but you know, it's just, it, it's the top two is really, really good. And then at corner, you like your top two. And then there's just a bunch of different options, but I, I guess if I'm saying it, you know, as is, I'm, I'm going with inside linebacker just because of those top two guys. And, you know, they, Jordan Turner has gotten reps. I don't know. You, you wonder where Tate Grass will be because he was running with the twos when yeah. he was running with the twos when he was healthy, but he, he is, he was, he's currently out. So, but I think you're right. It is noteworthy that Jordan Turner has, uh, you know, apparently passed Muma. And um, that, that's, I think, a, a notable development. Yeah, I do too, simply because uh, where it seemed like Muma was trending in the spring, and it doesn't mean he's not going to get his shot, but I think it takes a lot to earn Bob Bostad's trust, and it does seem like Turner is getting to that point. Yeah, you're right. With When Tate Grass is healthy, he might be the guy, you know, they might, that might be the top four and Turner's fifth. But either way, there's not going to be a lot of snaps <laughs> after Sanborn and Chanel. I just, there's not. Even if, even if Bostad has more trust in some of those other guys, just awfully hard to take those guys off the field, those top two. So it makes sense why you would pick them uh, as long as they're on the field. Play them until they can't be, until they can't play anymore. <laughs> Basically. What yeah, was that? That's what was his that, philosophy? Yeah. What was that quote that he had? 
it was it was it's paraphrasing, but it was something to that effect is that I'm going to play them until they can't go anymore. Or I can't play them, um, which is what he did last year. That's why those two guys played more snaps on defense than anybody else. I do like the cornerback group, though, and I asked Jim Leonard whether he felt like he a third guy was starting to emerge. And he said it was too early in fall camp that there'll be a guy that has a great day or two great days and then will just sort of disappear for a day or two. I don't know. I mean, that's that's not ideal, but it is early in camp. I think Alex Smith, if I had to pick, I think he'll wind up being the third guy, but it's not like if you don't start, you're not going to play. I, I think there's six guys that are going to play a lot. We've seen, and even in practice Saturday, they would have Smith on the outside with Caesar Williams so Fan Hicks could play the slot. But there were other situations where Hicks was on the outside with Williams, and then they put Dean Ingram in the slot. I think Ingram and Smith are the the two next guys, but also I, I don't want to forget about Samar Melvin and Dante Burton because I think all six are going to play. And, of course, I'm on Williams, right? <laughs> I don't just know kidding. how much he sees the field this year, but most fun to watch for sure. Yeah, he is, and he's a smaller guy too. I think I didn't mean, didn't mention that he's he is not uh, a bigger corner by any stretch. But again, I think he's going to play at some point. Not maybe not this year, but I think he's going to make an impact at some point. And yeah, I do. I imagine the, Jim Leonard was a guy that just found his way around the ball. Like it just like when he was playing, the ball seemed to find him. The ball seems to find Almond Williams, and it's just I don't know why, but it just he seems to find it. Yes, and I suppose this is a good segue because while we're talking about safeties who seem to be around the ball, I think it's worth mentioning what John Torchio has done. Yeah, Scott Nelson and Colin Wilder are going to get the lion's share of those safety reps, but Torchio has been a force too. I mean, especially on uh, late in this week, he had an inter- he had a pick six. Chase Wolf was backed up near the end zone, and he rolled to his left and threw a short pass, and Torchio picked it off and ran it back for a short touchdown. And he, he's just, he's gotten a lot of pass breakups. He's gotten picks and Leonard talked about how much more consistent he's been lately. He's always had that playmaking ability. We even saw him get a start back in 2019 against um, Northwestern because Eric Burrell and Reggie Pearson got ejected from in, from the Michigan game. But I, I think he's going to be a factor too at safety. He's made a lot of big plays. So since we're naming off guys who have, who've been good this first week, uh, he's one of them. Also good news, Travion Blaylock has practiced the last yes, few days uh, after being held out, uh, at least the first practice that we saw, or maybe the first two practices that we saw, he uh, back playing and, and back with that second team group along with John Torchio. And yeah, well, um, I, again, I think we both know, I think we both believe this, but if Travion Blaylock can stay healthy, he's going to be a player. Oh, yeah. Everybody talks about what a physical freak he is. I know I mentioned that before. Madison Cohn, who's now gone, when I talked to him, said that that's what he said about Travion. Like, if he can stay healthy, he's going to be special. Colin Wilder has said the same. Yeah, it's just a matter of, of can he be out there on the field. To, to this point, I mean, Torchio's been healthy, but he's consistently made plays. But that's been that's the second team when healthy. It's, it's Torchio and Blaylock. Um, obviously not a lot. Right now, it's safety in terms of numbers. You've got Preston Zachman. You've got Hunter Wohler. Got a story coming on him this week. And I've seen Max Lofi get some like early practice individual work with safeties. But that's your group right now. Yes. Our favorite competition to watch yes. and monitor, the kicking competition. That has been 
underwhelming to this point. Is that accurate? <laughs> I mean, we see like four kicks of practice, but yeah, it's not, it's somebody hasn't just grabbed the reins and dominated. But what I will say is if I had to pick, I think it's going to be Jack Van Dyke, assuming he's healthy because he's gotten the first team reps. Generally they'll go two, then the Colin Larsh gets two and then Van Dyke gets another two. That's pretty telling. The last time we actually saw a competition was on Wednesday because Van Dyke was limited Friday by a right leg injury. Don't know the severity of that. That's basically the worst injury you can have if you're a kicker, but I haven't really seen very many four for four sessions. I mean, Van Dyke, he, well, he had a 52 yarder that banged off the upright. That's not easy for anybody, but he did make a 44 yarder. And then Friday without Van Dyke, it was just Larsh. They, he had a couple field goals. He made them both 36 yarder and 38 yarder. And then on Saturday, they used Nate Van Zelst, who's a true freshman kicker. He was the, he was the only kicker that they used in the, in the little uh, kicking session that they had. He made an extra point. He missed a 27 yard field goal wide, right? Made a 35 yarder, missed a 40 yarder wide, right? So assuming everyone's healthy, I'm going Van Dyke, but as competitions go, I suppose it's left something to be desired at this point. It baffles the mind for me, at least why they can't get a scholarship kicker and on the, and, and, and walk-ons have Wisconsin has done walk-ons. It's fine. And, 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 you know, Rafael Gaglianoni wasn't perfect by any stretch, but you know, the inability to, to bring in a highly ranked kicker. And I know hashtag college kickers, but you know, just it, it feels like they're settling at this point. It's a very important position, and I suppose you'd ask, well, if you're going to give the scholarship to that, then you're taking a scholarship away from another position. But you've also got like 10 scholarship cornerbacks. So it, it would make sense if they can find the right guy. And maybe Jack Van Dyke is that right guy. He's still young. He's got a hell of a leg, just needs to be more consistent. But that's what we've been saying about a lot of Wisconsin kickers. And you talk about Rafael, statistically, one of the best kickers Wisconsin's ever had. So that worked out, right? You gave him a scholarship. You identified him early. He came in and was a starter from day one. It would, it would obviously be great for Wisconsin if they could find somebody like that again. But right now, this is what they have to work with. And it could be an up and down situation all year because that's, that's kind of what it's been. If you're spending a scholarship on a long snapper, which, again, I think is just fine, you probably should also invest in a kicker that has a scholarship. I, I don't know. And again, it's not that they haven't tried, right? Like They, they are recruiting guys. But again, it doesn't guarantee anything. It just it just feels like th- they've had these issues since Rafael Gaglinoni left that where you just don't have consistency. And, and even Hoff wasn't always consistent, especially later in his career. But again, I it has to be frustrating, you would think, uh, for a coaching staff to be able to guarantee like when you get inside the 25, 30 yard line that you can kick a field goal and feel pretty confident it's going to go in. And I don't think anybody has that confidence right now. I can't imagine that they do. I mean... We know Colin Larsh has been effective inside 40, but he's two for seven in his career from 40 and beyond. And Van Dyke's only attempted one kick so far. It was a 48-yarder that was blocked. So I, I don't know where exactly what they're going to wind up doing. And I do think it could be a bit of an adventure at kicker this year, but maybe they'll iron some things out. I appreciate your good vibe confidence from you, Jesse. I, I don't know. I think – I don't know. I like what Van Dyke can do. He can – I just – He's got to be healthy, got to be more consistent. But again, can say that about a lot of kickers and a lot of people at different positions. Yes, uh, the blanket statement, just hashtag college kicker, uh, certainly works in this situation. 
Wisconsin will be on the field for another four practices coming up this week. We will uh, be able to see all of them. Uh, what, what you tell me, what days are they this week? Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, I believe, assuming weather permits and Saturday will be the last chance we have to see them until the season opener. So I'm looking forward to, to learn a little more about this team this week. Yeah, we definitely will. And, uh, we are going to get into our normal rotation here, Jesse, where we're going to be posting episodes on Monday and Friday. So next episode, Friday morning for everybody to, to certainly uh, check out and subscribe and rate. Assuming you actually like the show, please rate if you get a chance and subscribe and tell everybody else to listen as well. Jesse, until next time, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is, Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.